Today's Issues continues on AFR with your host, Tim Wildman, president of the American Family Association. Hey, welcome back, everybody, to today's Issues on the American Family Radio Network. Tim with Fred and Steve Jordahl joins us now. Steve, that's your cue to say, uh, say Good something. morning. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we do this every day, Steve. Yes, uh, uh, sorry. I'm waking up right now. <laughs> okay. You, how many how many hands how many fingers am I holding up, Steve? All of them. Okay. No, I'm not, Steve. I have another hand. <laughs> Having a bad day there, Steve. <laughs> uh, and Ray's in Kansas City. So Ray's Here we in are. Ka- yeah, Ray's in KC. Can- What's the weather like in Kansas City? Oh, it's hot and getting hotter. Hot, Is sunny, it? and hot, hot, hot. Still summertime, huh? Yeah, yeah. We got our heat index up over a hundred. It's been this way for about a week now. We're just we're baking. Now, now what did you say your uh, temp, your heat index limit is before you 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 won't go out on your daily bike ride? You know, I have been out as high as 109 down in Dallas. I don't do that anymore. I just (laughs) I've come to my senses now. So, like, just in the break, I stepped outside and thought I'd stepped into an oven. So. So, so well, it's the it's the melt away factor. If I start melting away, then I don't get on my bike. You know, you know the uh, ovens usually mean cookies are coming, so you can keep that in the back of your mind. That's a good thought. That's yeah. a good thought. I was I was tempted yesterday to do the Phoenix Arizona how how hot is it really test. Yeah, I may do it today. The egg on the sidewalk thing. Egg on the sidewalk. Yeah. I'm going to take an egg out of the fridge. Put Does it that, can you do that here in Tupelo? Well, I'm going to find out. Yeah, would, oh, okay. I'm going Why to don't you out. videotape it? We might play it for our listeners. There you go. Just a little hint there, because I've done this before. You might want to let it get to room temperature before you put it on the ground. Oh, you mean the egg? The egg. If you take it out of the refrigerator and put it down it's there. Cold. It's, it's not cold? It's not What happens? If you if it's a room temperature, you put it on the, uh, the pavement, um, not like... Right away, but it will start boiling. It'll start cooking. I bet you that. Oh, you're saying, but you're saying if you bring take it right out of the refrigerator, it's yeah, too it's cold. too cold. It wouldn't. Yeah, it, it won't work. It just get a runny mess on yeah. the sidewalk. Right. I'll let you know. I'll let. You I know. did this for a fifth grade science class project. Did you really? Yeah. How did it go? It was it was a refrigerated egg. Nothing happened, <laughs> and I didn't even know that was a problem at the time. Uh, I've just told a whopper. <laughs> I never did that. <laughs> it, but it sounded so believable. I know. <laughs> I know. I know. Uh, all right. So, uh, on a more serious note, uh, just repeating the top story, Steve, what's what what happened this morning? It, I say morning, the, uh, morning in uh, the U.S., but it's uh, evening in late afternoon or or, or, or nighttime. Yeah. Um, in so, Afghanistan. Yeah, two explosions in Afghanistan. Uh, we're hearing uh, that there are U.S. troops that are injured at this point. Uh, let me just, a little bit about the nature of breaking news, and this goes with any newsroom I've ever been in. You don't really trust the first numbers you hear. It's always going to change. They're either wildly right. over or underestimated because it takes time. And so um, I usually don't Understand. Report, report numbers right away. But, but Fox News is reporting, or maybe the AP, that there's three Marines that have been injured in the explosions. This is what we have from John Kirby at the Pentagon, who tweeted out, we can confirm that the explosion at the Abbey Gate 
was the result of a complex attack that resulted in a number of U.S. and civilian casualties. We can also confirm that at least one other explosion at or near the Barron Hotel, a short distance from the Abbey Gate, we will continue to update. So um, two explosions confirmed by the State Department. Uh, and we'll find out. Now, my question is, because I saw another tweet from a, a pundit that was wondering about this, what does this now do to the evacuation the 31st? We're supposed to get all uh, Americans to the it airport. Act, all right, my, this is my opinion and my opinion only, uh, so I don't speak for anybody but me. I think we're going to, I think Biden's going to order them to hightail it. That's his only option. You get out of there as fast as you can. Now, August 31st certainly would be the deadline. And uh, we don't have we don't want to have any more of these bombings take place while our troops are over there. Okay, you know what? You have uh, the president saying that we have to leave right away, leaving people behind. That I don't know what looks more like cutting and running than that. Well, what's it is. But... Uh, it's your only option if you want to have any chance to recover. You can't have – we can't have another bombing and 20 Marines are killed. Huh? That would be worse than cutting and running. Uh, and he's not going to send in 10,000 troops. No. He's just not going to do that. No, he right. has no leverage. No, right. Zero. Zero. The way that the, – this is the whole thing is the way that Biden executed this or told the – military to execute it was get the military out first and then we'll worry about everybody else completely backwards from common sense uh that i mean that's what is is that not what they did exactly what they did and they waited until about 10 days ago even to get the military to the spot of the kabul airport they waited till 10 days ago which yeah. is why we left behind all mm -hmm. that equipment and we abandoned the embassy mm -hmm. and we abandoned bagram air force base yeah. Well, what it, the bottom line is here, uh, they didn't expect the the Afghan army to fall so quickly. That's that w that was their miscalculation. That uh, that uh, really has caused the problem. But you know, now, let me ask, let me guys, let me let me ask you guys this. Uh, and I guess mon Monday Monday morning quarterback uh, sort of situation. Ray, ask you first. You know, if you would have asked me a month ago or two months ago, are you in favor of bringing the troops home, our, our U.S. troops home from Afghanistan? I would have said absolutely. We've been over there 20 years. Uh, absolutely. We spent all these trillion, $2 trillion. I didn't know what we had spent till the other day. But just the, just the general concept of having our troops over there in the middle of nowhere uh, trying to change a country that will not be changed as long as they subscribe to it's tribalism over there and it's islamic uh, fundamentalism based so anyway now and hi, now if you ask me today ray i would say knowing what we know now what we see happening now i would have said how many troops do we have stationed in afghanistan well three thousand i said so 3,000 troops to keep the country from falling apart and keep the Taliban from taking over and, and executing women and Christians and and then uh, keep them from harboring uh, training camps for Al-Qaeda and so forth and so on. I'd have said, that's worth it. 
keep them there. You see what I'm saying? I get, and that's hindsight. That's Monday morning, Monday morning quarterbacking. But I'm just saying that's kind of how I'm thinking. I wonder how many other people are thinking that way. It's kind of a moot point, I guess. But go ahead. It is. I mean, it is a moot point. But uh, I my my sense of the mood of the country okay. is that is that we had to get out. Okay. Right. Just not this way. This, if you made a list of the worst possible ways, this the way we've done it is the worst right. possible right. way it could have been done, and we're we're reaping the results of that. So, because <clears throat> I don't think keeping 3,000 troops on there was going to keep the Taliban at bay once they decided to make a serious move. Once the army gave in, there was nothing. We're not going to go back to street fighting. We're not going to call in 100,000 Marines or whatever to to subdue the country of Afghanistan. No, I think we had to get out, Tim, but not like this. I think you've already put your finger on it earlier when you said get the civilians out first then withdraw the military, and we did it entirely backwards. I think we have to go back. What was the mission 20 years ago? Right. What was the reason for going in there? It's We're, because, the if I understand, it's because the Taliban, as Joe Biden likes to call them, they were, they were allowing uh, terrorist camps for al-Qaeda and such to exist in their country, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. That's why... You go back and you look and say, why didn't we just blow up the terrorist camps and tell the Taliban, you do this again, we'll be back. Yeah. When did that turn into, let's stay for 20, 20 years, years mm -hmm. and try to nation build? Yeah. We went in, we were looking for Osama bin Laden. And that, he, and that, right. that was one of the reasons. We got him in Pakistan. And to your point, Tim, all right, you want to deal with those camps. We can blow those to smithereens anytime yeah, we want Yeah, I know. To. I, don't, I don't understand. It turned into nation building somewhere along the yes. way. I don't know if that was under Bush or Clinton or I yeah. guess it was under Bush at it's first. It was under Bush. Yeah. yeah. Started with Bush. So we wandered from the mission, the initial mission. That's yeah. the problem. Yeah, we, you know, what happened if, in Iraq, too, if we had to go and do that all over again, never would have gone in there, right? Because we were told there were weapons of mass destruction and we didn't find any. That's after we in, inherited, invaded the country. So after that, I think a lot, a lot of people, conservatives and liberals, began to get leery of, okay, let's go over here and take care of somebody, take somebody out because they're a threat. Well, how big a threat are they? Go ahead, Steve. A couple of thoughts. Um, 3,000 troops with F-15 satellites and uh, Stinger missiles might be able to deter an awful lot of uh, bad things in that country. They might be able to maintain control. What are you talking about? You said, what can, how can you imagine that 3,000 troops is going to stop um, the, the, uh, the Taliban from taking over? No, I'm talking about... Uh, again, it's a moot point, so let's just okay. move let on. Me, let me just I, I'm just talking about had we remained mm -hmm. as it were, the country wouldn't have fallen apart as it has. But that's but everybody, President Trump wanted to get out. I think, the, as Ray's right, the mood of the country was to get out of Afghanistan. And I think bring, the middle, but, but it was a small contingent, relatively speaking. The middle road, of course, is the thought that President Trump had a plan and he had negotiated with the Taliban and put some conditions on them, which Biden abandoned. So it would be likely that the it wouldn't be nearly as chaotic uh, if Trump were in charge of the uh, of the withdrawal. Let me also add this. Um, 
we keep hearing from the administration that everybody in the, the whole, all the nation is uh, nations around the world are on the same page on this. I want to let you hear something that came from the British Parliament. Um, this is a British member of Parliament. His name is Tom Tugendhat, and um, he, this also speaks to uh, the army, the Afghan army, cutting and running, uh, as or dis- dissipating more quickly than we thought. I want you to listen to, to um, cut seven, please. And so it is with great sadness that I now criticise one of them. Because I was never prouder than when I was decorated by the 82nd Airborne after the capture of Musakala. It was a huge privilege, a huge privilege to be recognised by such an extraordinary unit in combat. To see their commander-in-chief call into question the courage of men I fought with, to claim that they ran, shameful. Those who have never fought for the colours they fly should be careful about criticising those who have. Okay, well, well then what happened if they didn't... I'm not a Biden fan, but that Afghan army folded like a cheap suit. So what... what, what, what What is he saying here? I, I heard... An explanation as to where that point of view is coming from. I, I heard figures like seventy or eighty thousand Afghan soldiers have died in this effort over the last twenty years. Yeah. And somebody put it this way: uh, We send our troops into foreign lands like that, but their spouses and children are safe here in the United States. I'm I'm not saying I agree with this, but this is the explanation that was given. The reason they took off is that they still have wives and kids there in that country. And they felt a priority to get them out because they knew what was coming. That That's kind of the yeah. the, the counter-argument uh, to what's been said about them cutting and running. I think to add to that, if I may, um, it's a different story if President Trump, again, is in charge. And if we can't even extract our own people and those who helped us what does the afghan army think that we're going to give well, them in terms of support well, if, an- another, if they can uh, trust us they'd probably still be there another reason is afghanistan's not really a country true true it's it's not a country as 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 the united states is for example or as most countries are in the world it's basically uh, artificially drawn is that the right way was that created after World War One, Ray? Do you know? Is that no, the, is that the British? Uh, huh? The British mandate? Yeah. Was that part of that? Afghanistan? Anyway, the point is, Afghanistan's not really a country. Uh, it's a bunch of tribes, for the most part. That's what it is. So so it's hard to get people, uh, soldiers, for example, to sign up to fight for a, quote, country that doesn't really, has has really no history. That's what I'm saying. Go ahead. Uh, you want to say something, Steve? Well, I just uh, just looked at us up, and Afghanistan is an independent kingdom founded by Ahmad Shah Durrani in 1747. Okay, well, I missed that by 150 years <laughs> or whatever it was by Afghanistan being in existence. But I know some of those. What like- Iraq is is the is the classic example of what you're talking about. The the British and some others sat down and they literally created Iraq out of. A little right. bit of this and a little bit of that. And don't forget Israel. 
Well, Israel. Yeah. 48, but that was after World War One. well after World, yeah. that's after World sure. War Two. Uh, but, uh, so, that may be another explanation. I said these are tribal people there in Afghanistan. It's not really a country, so in the Army... Uh, I've also read reports that the army there in Afghanistan, basically a lot of illiteracy, a lot of them signed up just to get a paycheck from the Americans every few weeks or whenever it was. And uh, it wasn't the it wasn't the best situation in terms of discipline and structure and those kinds of things. Our nation building plan, Tim was doomed to failure. Yeah. It was never going to work. Yeah, and why haven't we but, – but I guess the, that begs the question, why did it take so long to figure that out? Maybe maybe presidents in the past knew what happened to Biden could happen and they didn't want to risk it. You know what I'm saying? Right. I, I think you're exactly right. They knew the Taliban would come storming back in. Yeah. And, and nobody wanted that on their mm. resume. Although Trump was ready to go. He was. With his own plan uh, to exit our troops, but mm-hmm. he says it's it was more it was conditionally based, and it would have been done in reverse of what Biden did. Yes, uh, the, con- so. the, con- the conditions were that the um, Taliban negotiate with the existing Afghan uh, <clears throat> government that there can be no aggressive moves by there. And there's one of the yeah, but once you, once the United States and once the police leave, all bets are off, yeah. uh, so sure. to speak. If you got gangs fighting each other and the police leave, uh, and the gangs say, "Okay, we're going to behave when you leave," right? We'll <laughs> be good. Us, yeah, we'll be good. <laughs> Same type thing. All right, Steve. Next story. Um, back here in the United States, in New uh-huh. York City, we've got uh, teachers who are a little upset. They're upset because the state is mandating that they get a vaccine. If they don't get the vaccine, they don't have a job. Well, that's not going over so well with teachers, and in this most liberal of cities, they had a rally. Are you rally. talking about New York City, or are you New talking York about the state of New city. York? New York City, the city of New York, Manhattan. There are seven the conservatives boroughs. there, Steve. Well, I want you to listen to this. This is a group of New York City teachers who are protesting right outside of Mayor Bill de Blasio's office. They're going to hear from Elizabeth Quinn, followed by Carlos um, Oliveri, followed by uh, Rafael Maniscalco. And uh, you're going to hear in here that one of them is quitting the UST, just for your um, uh, information, that is the United Federation of Teachers, UFT. Uh, Lesson cut eight. We work for the DOE, and they're telling us that we can't come to work unless we're fully vaccinated. And we worked all year without a vaccine. Our children were protected. We wore masks. We social distanced. We've done everything that we've been asked. And we worked during an entire pandemic, and we were okay. So now they're switching things up on us and we're angry. I'm a centrist, I like liberty, and I would prefer to die a free man. I am prepared to end this now, and I am officially announcing my exit from the UFT. So your question was, am I prepared to lose it all? And the answer is yes. I do not believe that this is just about a vaccine. I do not believe that this is just about our health. About medical freedom. This is about totalitarianism. We are we are headed into a very dangerous area. And if we comply with this, we are setting a terrible precedent for our future. Yeah, I, it was amazing to listen to those comments when I first watched it. By the way, this video is on our site. 
American Family News. Uh, you can go and watch it there. But this sounded like a bunch of conservatives uh, talk the way they're talking. This is this is people that are saying enough is enough. You heard the first teacher there say all last year we weren't required to wear a vaccine or to have a vaccination. We got along just fine in our classrooms without the vaccination. We did all the other things. The last lady there, that was very interesting, that teacher who says she's willing to tear up her union card. She said something very interesting, and I think it's a sentiment that's growing in this country, is that, you know, we're, we're entering a, a stage towards totalitarianism, that the government is trying to control every facet of our life under threat that you're going to lose your job. In some cases, remember the nursing home thing from the Biden administration, we're going to cut off your Medicare and your Medicaid at the nursing home unless you force your staff to get vaccinated. There is a rebellion that's growing, and this was a demonstration of it in New York City yesterday. Yeah. Um, well, we'll see what happens there. Uh, but uh, God bless them. Yeah. I don't think they're going to win that one. But, but 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 they might they might have a case in court. Yes. But right. I think I think popular opinion is going to be against them in in New York. It's deep blue. Go ahead. Um, do you remember Harvard? You won't remember because it was 1630, but it was founded as a Christian university. It was actually a divinity school when it started. And for years and years, its job was to educate pastors so that in the new world, back in the 1600s, 1700s, the pastors who led the churches would know how to read and write and be uh, educated. Well, they have, uh, some four centuries later, have now elected their new chief of chaplains at uh, Harvard. His name is Greg Epstein, and he's an atheist. I'm sorry. Uh, did you rewind, rewind that tape of Jordan? Oh, yes, the new chief of chaplains at Harvard is Greg Epstein, an atheist. I, we got time. three or four seconds of dead silence right there. <laughs> he doesn't have to spend time praying. No. <laughs> Frees him up to do other things, what? I guess. He's he's uh, he's teaching students the progressive movement that centers around people's relationship with one another instead of with God. <clears throat> he's a social worker. Yeah, he's a social worker. He's not a chaplain, huh? And, yeah. and he's the chief of chaplains. Is that yeah, what he's you're he's me? heading up? The, and all the other chaplains, the Baha'i chaplain, the Christian chaplain, everybody else voted as to who they wanted, and it was a unanimous choice. Wow. Okay. Harvard, huh? Yeah. <laughs> it's the religion of me. Yes. We ought to worship man rather than God. That sounds like a Babylon B story. It does. Truth Ed, is Ed Chaplin than fiction. Head Chaplin at Harvard is an atheist. What well, was that? Was that a legislature in the last couple of years? They had a witch doctor in to give the opening prayer. <laughs> Where? I, I'm trying to remember. I remember these stories doctor. start piling up the now. Kiwanis Club? <laughs> no, it was a legislature. <laughs> Had a witch doctor. Look at there. We're out of time. Yeah. <clears throat> Probably a good thing. <laughs> Steve, yes. I, I just want to personally thank you for sharing that story there. It is my pleasure. Yes. My pleasure and privilege. Bring it, bringing that to our attention. <laughs> I was not accepted at Harvard. I never, <laughs> I never will. I never will have known the experience of a chaplain who's an atheist. Thank you, Ray. Thank you, Tim. <laughs>
Fred, signing off. Our thanks to Chris Woodward, Steve Jordahl, Adam Suddeth, our producer, and we, uh, tomorrow's Friday, so we will have Learning University on the air tomorrow. We'll see you back here then.